electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Live from the Nasdaq market site in the heart of New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. Here's what's on tap tonight. Power outage. Utility stocks getting rocked as a surge in rates and a dividend cut at a major player hammers the sector. Our very own Chicago bond king, Rick Santelli, is in the house. Look at him go. Yeah. Charting the ripple effects on the markets. Plus, off target, another brutal day for the retail giant in what has already been a soul-crushing year. Target shares down almost 30% in 2023. Can anything stop the slide? And later, what's in a name? Why our traders are all sour about one iconic American brand's new name for its spinoff, the Corn Pop-Off. <laughs> at Kellogg's today. That sounds like a curse or something. I'm Melissa Lee coming to you live from Studio B at the NASDAQ on the desk tonight. Tim Seymour, Karen Feinerman, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. And we start off with the unstoppable rise in rates, the 10-year Treasury yield touching the 4.7% mark for the first time in 16 years. It hasn't closed above that level since August 2007. Longer-term bonds also rallying, with the 30-year hitting its highest since 2010. The move taking an outsized hit on rate-sensitive stocks today. Take a look at the utility sector, seeing its biggest drop in over three years, falling to levels last seen in June 2020. Nextera, AES, NYSource leading the losses. But can rates keep going higher from here? What impact can they have on the markets? Today was sort of meh guy. Is that Mech? Meh, Mech. Some would say It's Mech. actually, I will say, that today was actually impressive from the markets. Yeah. I mean, again, given the fact that the S&P rallied back, effectively closed unchanged, you got to give it credit without question. To answer your questions, I think rates can continue to grind higher. I think what could take rates lower is a precipitous sell-off in the stock market. As a matter of fact, I think one of the only reasons rates can go a lot lower is if, in fact, the market sells off and there's some flight to quality. But you know, four seven in the ten year is not good, and it feels like it wants to go higher. And by the way, kudos to Bill Ackman. I can't believe I even said that, but good for him because Why? in early August, Why you know, he said short bonds. You know, he looked like he rang the bell. Yeah. For about a week, and now here they are at four seven. Good for him. They go higher from here. So two tens uh, now, forty four inverted. So we've continued to see this steeping in the yield curve. There are many people. I remember Chris Verone was sitting on the desk, but uh, you know, a lot of people have pointed that this is actually a really bearish sign and kind of the next leg of where it could go. Uh, you know, you can make an argument that this is the kind of bearish steepening that actually is what you might see when the economy is doing better. Um, the the when you see the short end coming in and creating that kind of steepening, it means the economy. And I think people are pricing in lower rates. I, I, we had some information from the BOJ or at least got some rhetoric. I, I think, uh, again, international bond yields have something to do with what's going on here. I also just think that our Federal Reserve, in, in addition to not buying, is actually selling more. Um, and I think there's a, a lot of different issues here. It's interesting. I don't know. I would have thought that last week going into the weekend and the government shut down, that the bond market was playing some games a little bit with that. Um, if anything, it's, it says no. Unless you believe that bond yields moving higher is people really believing that there's more of a fiscal deficit on the horizon and, you know, ratings agencies. Um, I'll say the, the equal weighted S&P is now down one percent on the year. It's significantly underperformed the S&P and it's significantly underperforming. In fact, it's it's at a, an SVB low right now if you look at where it's kind of moved back to. And I think we talk about this all the time. 
However, the leadership that this market has gotten from those big mega caps is something that I think will continue to be that which determines an Apple traded great today. Yes. Yeah, I, I thought the market traded horribly today. I mean, look, yeah, the S&P closed you know, flat on the day. And if you think about where the futures were last night based on the, the reaction to the news about the averted shutdown, that sort of thing. But then they gave it all back very quickly. Yeah, they came back at the end of the day. They came back because of the flight to quality. Guy, you're talking about a flight to quality. It's into the Magnificent Seven. And this right. is what we've seen really since the regional banking crisis you know, back in March or so. So that trade continues to stay very concentrated. We are seeing some deceleration in the fundamentals of those companies. That was what was evident to me in the Q2 reports and the Q3 guidance. That's one of the reasons why many of those stocks sold off at least 10% from their highs pre-earnings-ish or so, broke uptrends that have been in place since late last year or early this year. So to me, I, again, I can't put too fine a point on this. This is holding up the whole market. I just want to make one other point. Marco Kalanovic, one of my favorite bears over there, J.P. Morgan, he's highlighting in his note this morning saying that a lot of the talk about soft landing, which is consensus right now, it is built into the S&P up 12% of the year, the NASDAQ up 30% of the year, whatever you're looking at. But it's the same things that were being talked about in 07. It was a resilient consumer. It was a good job set up. It was a whole host of things that really mirror what we're talking about right now, which feed into the consensus. And I just kind of feel like what we're seeing under the hood of the stock market points to something that's very different. There's one thing that the markets have done this year reliably, that is go against consensus. <laughs> uh, Mark is going to be with us on Thursday, by the way. We do want to take a break here. Breaking news, more layoffs at Ford. Phil LeBeau's got the details on that. Phil. Uh, Melissa, we are looking at 330 employees at Ford who will be laid off uh, either starting uh, on September 30th, they were laid off, or on October 7th or 2nd, which would be tomorrow. These are employees who are at the Chicago stamping plant or at the Lima, Ohio engine facility. The reason why? Parts are not needed since the Chicago final assembly plant is on strike, and that's the plant where they build the Explorer as well as the Lincoln uh, Aviator. So when you look at those two facilities, it doesn't sound like a huge amount of jobs, 330, but this is now 930 altogether that Ford has had to lay off between these two facilities as well as the Wayne uh, final assembly plant after the strike was called there two weeks ago. And this is a case where Ford is saying we have to lay these employees off because the parts that they would normally make that would go into production in a particular facility, they're not needed because that facility is on strike right now. So another 330 jobs uh, where the employees are laid off at Ford. Melissa, back to you. Phil, thanks. Phil LeBeau. And of course, there are ripple effects. You don't need parts. You don't need the stuff that make the parts like steel and other metals. So it goes right. on and on and on. Well, this just seems very political, trying to foment dissent among the rank and file of, well, the, you know, we're, we're getting hit because of this. Is this really what we want? I, I, I mean, it doesn't bode for a quick resolution, I don't think. Just ratchets up the pressure. I don't know. That's it's. It, that's disappointing. But um, back to the question about the markets. I thought the markets actually did do pretty well, considering. And um, I think that this move has obviously been enormous, but they've told us this for a really, really long time. And it's just taken a while to sort of funnel through the markets. It's not a crazy historic rate. So I think we just have to get used to it. That's painful. But I, I'm sticking. I'm, you know, I'm always long. I'm staying long. 
days like today, any day, staying well, long. I, I just, again, I get back to the market we have here. And, and so if leadership comes from the mega caps and from the semiconductors, I mean, and I look at the semiconductors that are up 4.9% in the last seven trading days relative to the S&P. Uh, and I look at the Qs that are up 3% from those mid-August lows relative to the S&P. And by the way, Qs are not far away from making a relative all-time high from the S&P. So until that really breaks down, market's not going to break down. And, and I realize that the, the equal-weighted S&P is something that's very meaningful for market breadth and all the things that we talk about. We don't see it. So, I mean, you know, you're right, Dan, in that I, I think that it goes back to the mega cap tax, but they, they are holding their ground. Is Tesla in the mag seven? You can put it in yeah. if you want. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So today they just released their Q3 deliveries. They're not good. I mean, their fundamentals right. are, are deteriorating in, in front stock, of our stock, stock was up. I, I understand. But those sorts of relationships only last for so long. I'm, so I'm you're just not telling you. The, they were down because of retooling and the capacity. No. Expected downturn. But they reaffirmed their full year. Look, I don't want to die in the hill of Tesla. No, but what, be clear, what, what I'm saying is, what was evident from Microsoft and Apple's earnings? You know what I mean? Like it was evident that, that, that some of the pull forward, some of the enthusiasm about those stocks trading at the levels in which they were trading are not commensurate with their fundamentals, at least as they line, lined up. And so those stocks have sold off. But what I'm saying is at some point in the not so distant future, you are going to see correlations go to this number, to one. They, and they, then those stocks join the party. And that's when the whole market turns. So all that relative stuff, dude, that SMH is a joke. NVIDIA up 200%. It's been leading the market. It's because been leading of NVIDIA, because of one up, stock that has gone to no, not because of one stock. Look at a lot of the semis. 23% of the SMH. I, okay. uh, well, I'm just saying, like, I, I mean, some of them are just not it's keeping also, up with the pace. It's, it's one of the biggest companies in the world. You can't call that a joke, and you can't call a joke the flows. Are we split screen? Yeah, yeah we're yeah, just yeah. like that. We haven't done this in a while. So we split it up. Well, that happens. I know. And, 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 but, and I'd also say this about Tesla, who I don't want to yeah. defend. I don't want to go buy the stock. But, yeah. but the auto strike and everything we just heard from Ford and everything we're hearing about these companies that can't make money in EV yeah. and Tesla, who wasn't making money for a long time and telling us that they were, I think, I don't know, maybe. But uh, the bottom line here is, is the market that we have is one where we were expecting triple Qs to fall apart. And the NASDAQ 100 right now is close to are, making a relative high to the Are you putting S&P. new money to work in the market that we have right we're now? We're not asking stock. me. No, I'm no, but that's, but, but that's, but no, but that's well, what we're yeah. talking about I mean, here. The answer but if he has money wait. in the market, yeah, then it doesn't absolutely. It is new money. Yeah. Went home nah, long that's a bunch of crap. It, no, no, that not. is because we all have it in the market. What I'm saying is right here, right now, at 4,300, the S&P yeah, look, 500. McDonald's is getting interesting. Starbucks is getting interesting. Staples but you're is getting interesting. But you're talking about stocks that have absolutely acted horribly over the last few months. There's always something to do. Do we always want to buy No, but the Qs have done acted amazingly for the last nine months. So what are we talking about? I'm feeling like Justin Fields in the second half of that game last year. Yesterday here. Well, I actually want to take issue with what you said about okay. second quarter earnings for a, a Google, for a Meta. Those are outstanding. Okay, those, so, but, but, so, but so, so Google and, and Meta are two very different companies. And, and Google was underperforming. Than each for, other or than the rest? Well, of I'm just saying, if you want to throw them in, this is the post. They are very much in the. the but they were trading very set. different for different reasons. I mean, like, like to me, you know, Google, if we had this AI virus that infected like a bunch of the trillion dollar names, Google was on the back side of that. They were actually underperforming those other peers. And so to me, Meta was down 78 percent or something like that in 2022. So up 100 percent is just a reset of some I'm of the overshoot to the downside. The third quarter, what happened when they announced the second quarter earnings? You said they didn't so, do well in the second quarter. I, I didn't say those names. We, we've got a very special we, guest here that we, we want to get to. But before we go, because you asked 
asked him the question, are you putting new money to work? Are you shorting the markets here, Dan? Yeah, but, you know, I made a mistake. Yes. Last week you asked me um, if I was short, and I said I'm long puts in the QQQ, and I made a mistake again. I do this again and again because I do make a lot yeah. of mistakes. Like, the S&P was the trade. It wasn't the QQQ because if you want to focus on what the last battle is going to be fought, it is going to be in that magnificent seven. So I continue to do that like a moth. Do you want to be short the market when the Qs are going higher? It depends for the, what the reasons. You know what I mean? Like, to me, this goes back to 2007, okay? Like, at that time, like, the same thing that Marco was saying, the last time the 10-year was right here, the consensus was soft landing and everything was going up. And what I'm looking at under the hood, what I'm looking at banks, what I'm looking at industrials, what I'm looking at transports, what I'm looking at even energy in the last week or so, it does not speak for an economy that's about to inflect higher, in my opinion. And if you look at some I, of the consumer data, the economy, it though. looks kind of... I, I mean, anybody's saying I, I, But if the market is a discounting mechanism, I'm telling you, that the whole thing's being rocked by seven stocks right now. Well, I, and what I'm saying is I'm not telling you that I think the market is going to go a lot higher, although there's some key levels. I can't wait to hear Mary and Bartels later on in the show. But I, I do think I'm not going to fight a market where the semis and the queues until they really break down. They've led this market. Got there's it. a really good looking guy with an easel and like a. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> oh, yeah. We should probably go oh, to him. Yeah, there he is. Let's get more rates are going this year. All the way from the Windy City, the one and only Rick Santelli joins us here. Clap him in. Clap him in. There we go. Clap him in. Royalty. Can you join us with this world-famous easel, by the way? Well, I do apologize. I don't have all my equipment, and I couldn't do a really pretty chart. But before we get to that, I'd like to say a few things. I personally always find anniversary dates very key, and I can't help thinking about September of 81 when we had the all-time high closing yield just shy of 16%. So what I'm talking about here might be dancing between the raindrops. You never want to go against a market that is burning to the upside. But you might want to give it a pause if it looks like it's going to back away a bit. But in the grand scheme of things, I think rates are going higher. So let's go to the charts. Like I said, not my best work, but high, low, perpendicular midpoint. We always pay attention to those, especially when one of those points is the all-time low closing yield at a half of 1%. So you take the high, you take the low, you connect it, you find that midpoint, you draw a perpendicular line. And what you find is it just keeps you on the straight and narrow. Those are very key. The more important the spike levels are, whether it's a key high or key bottom, those make it work that much better. Now, this chart is really off scale. Remember, when you're doing these charts, you got to use logarithmic paper. This is just a rough gauge, but there's your near 16%, SEP and 81 for your anniversary date. And the whole point of this chart is, is that we have a lot of potential room to run to the upside. So if somebody asked me and held a gun to my head and said, listen, the worst case scenario, we're Treasury rate's going to go 10-year. I'd say in the next seven years, you should be able to see 13 and a half, 14 percent. Yes. Now, I'm not saying we get there, but I really want to stress you do not want to jump in front of this right now. But if this week closes under four and three quarters and the high yield close remains in the 460s, you buy the market looking for a bit of a retracement to potentially get back down to four and a quarter to 432. Or if it gets to four and three quarters on a closing basis first, you liquidate the trade. So you buy TLT below those levels. In other words, bad and yields are going to go down in the short term. Otherwise, we're look for why are rates going higher? Or it's because the economy oh, is gangbusters, easy. or because Tyler, Tyler Matson, everybody clap for who loves Tyler. I love Tyler. And what did he bring up today? A great Chicagoan, Milton Friedman. And when he did, one of my 50-year veterans from the trading floor called me and said, "Boy, he's spot on." I had many meetings with Milton. That if you want to know where inflation has taken the markets and why just look at government spending the vigilantes have new horses and they're riding and i really do think that is the answer 
We are spending too much. We are not learning to cut back. As a matter of fact, I think we're out of control as we approach a $2 trillion deficit. And this is the market's way to get Washington's attention. That's always been the case, though, hasn't it, to some degree, Rick? So why, No, why QE. QE changed everything. Yeah. Right. So do you think that the Fed, whoever the Fed may be within the next 10 years, is actually going to allow a rate? That is above 13%. You can squeeze a water balloon they nine ways from Sunday, but eventually it pops out somewhere. They are running out of little tricks to pull out of their bag. And in my opinion, the quantitative easing removed many signals in the market that now it's trying to put back in place. And they could do as they wish. If they keep tinkering with this, the problem is we have too many large uh, economies that are going to be in the same boat. And who's going to end up buying this paper? Right. So so the presumption here is you think the Fed put is done and it requires the discipline for the Fed to state the course. And, and I agree. And I'm a student of history, probably less so than you. But I think all the way back to the first shenanigans, I think a long term capital and I think of the Asian financial crisis. And I, I think that's where monetary accommodation went out of control. And I think it wasn't the 2007, 8. I think it was 1997, 98. Uh, BOJ, uh, I think they're the biggest wild card here. And, and I heard uh, over the weekend stuff that told me YCC is done, and I think that's a slingshot to U.S. yields higher. Oh, absolutely. And the Bank of Japan could actually pull the plug that drains the water on everybody's bathtub. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the real fear I have, is they have no idea how they could be the catalyst. They could be that one ping pong ball you throw in a room with a bunch of mousetraps with other ping pong balls, and then all of a sudden things start flying. Mousetraps? Mousetraps and ping pong balls. Mm-hmm. So, Rick, let me ask you. So let's say um, rates just keep going up so much that they crush the economy, right? And so then do we start to see rates really come back or do you see stagflation and I think terrible? I hit part of it. 1987, when we were in the pits, what we learned was that when equities get really ugly, you see the Treasury complex start to do better. I think the signals being distorted has changed that to some extent. And it's going to have to get much uglier to get the attention of the bond market. But I think that dynamic will come to the rescue, but it's going to come to the rescue late in the game. Karen mentioned that we've, we've had rates at these levels before, which I totally agree with. It's a rate of change thing, though. And think about 15 years of being conditioned liquidity, zero interest rates. People are not prepared, in my opinion, for what we've just seen over the last 18 months. Speak to that. Oh, yeah. Not only are they not prepared, I think that when many look at the markets and they scratch their heads, they just don't understand that the Fed held the beach ball underwater for so long, basically a decade of zero that shouldn't have been at zero, that ultimately the force that this thing's popping out, I think, is justified. If it uh, if it's pops to 13, let's pops. If the trajectory is very steep, does that imply that the bounce back is going to be steep as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. The uh, one-third or two-thirds retracement on some of those GAN numbers should be every bit as aggressive. That's why I do think we're going to get a pause, and I think we're going to consolidate here. But I urge people not to try to pick tops and yield. Let the market tell you you can dance between the raindrops a bit. Okay. But again, your big call tonight sounds like north of 13% in the next 10 And that's the grand scheme of things, yes. When I take a look at the long-term monthly charts, that's what I see. Rick, it's always great to have you. And you're easy. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you for being so you nice. Know, these, these, Thanks. He Thank should you. sign these. Yeah. And we auction. I'm not even kidding yeah, around. Time capsule. Time auction. capsule. No, I'm, do you think I'm no, messing no. around? And we'll donate so, the money for funding. Oh, wait, 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 wait. He made a point. I was in his office in the CME in September, and he has a treasure trove of these things. And I know, I know you're trying to say that this is not your best stuff. There's some good stuff in there. There's different colors. It's all scaled. It was really beautiful. 
I have That's logarithmic paper and I overlay it on cellophane when I do the charts so they're really accurate. It's pretty we're good. big fans of Rick Sands. Well, I mean, yeah. this is going to, we are lucky to have Rick Sands. Yes. His expertise, I mean, he's a Drexel guy like I was back in the day, but I mean, he's forgotten more about the bond market than. They talk about who's this Bond King person? Yeah, What's no. his name? Rick no, Santelli. That's the Bond King <laughs> right there. And the bond markets are always right. So the bond markets are always right. And they're always ahead of the equity markets. And, it, and it's this kind of a lag effect. We talk about the economy. But, but equity sometimes really do whistle past that graveyard. Yeah, absolutely. But I think those days are going to be behind us. Rick, thank you. Rick Santelli. 13 and a half. I mean, this is a long-term call. But, I mean, that, is, that would be mind-blowing for a whole generation who's never seen well, you know, rates much higher from here. One of the things Rick is saying is don't get get in the way of change. And if you look at, you know, we had four decades of downward pressure and yield compression. There's a lot of different reasons for it. It was China. It was globalization. It was technology. Um, but if you look, I, I would make your argument, look at the chart of the two year going back 10 years. We started moving higher in rates. If you take out COVID, which I think you can do for this exercise, we can't do it for every other exercise. But um, rates have been moving higher uh, at the short end for 10 years. Coming up, Target slashed the retailer dropping to three-year lows on one big analyst call. And with stores closing ahead of the holidays, will the company miss the bullseye with investors? The details next. Plus, a financial fork in the road, one big name at one-year lows, but can it rebound? And what will rising rates mean for the sector? The names our traders are watching straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Fast Money's back in two. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX. Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, The ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura's been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Welcome back to Fast Money. Expect more, pay less. That's exactly what investors are doing today as shares of Target sink to a three-year low. Bank of America cutting the retailer's price target to 120 from 135 after the company said last week it was closing nine stores in major cities due to violence and organized theft. The stock underperforming Walmart by 40 percentage points so far this year. Uh, Karen, yeah, what's wrong with yeah. Target? 
Well, a lot, apparently. But I think, you know, we've seen that. We talk a lot about the consumer being somewhat stretched. And when they do spend, as we see at Walmart and at Costco, something like that, it's on, you know, groceries and it's on gasoline. And what Target really does is they have a much better margin in things like home goods, apparel, things like that. So that mix has really been not good. Then we talked about the shrinkage issue. This closing of the nine stores, it's really, it's sad for a lot of reasons, uh, not just to target to those communities, it's really sad. I don't think that uh, will really make a difference to target, but I think they're just kind of at the wrong space. They haven't gotten their mojo back. Mm -hmm. um, the multiple reflects that. So I'm long target, which has been the wrong thing. I am long Walmart, which uh, has worked, but I also have this target Walmart trade, which just continues to get wider. Yeah. Um, I think it's too wide. HSBC cut or initiated Target with a hold, I think, a couple weeks ago. Product mix. They're in, the, they're in, the, they're in, no, yeah. they're in no man's land in this environment, and that is the wrong place to be. Yeah, maybe they figured out their inventory situation. The problem is nobody wants their inventory that they currently have. I mean, they've just really, a lot of this is Target specific, but you can't say that entirely because look at Dollar Gen and Dollar Tree, and fi those stocks are getting obliterated as well. So they're on the wrong side of this equation. Costco on the flip side, 52-week high-ish today, and Walmart, as you mentioned, is within a whisper of its all-time high. That's what's going on. But you have to ask the question, what does that really mean for the consumer? All right, there's a lot more Fast Money to come. Here's what's coming up next. What's bubbling in the banks? Our traders are eyeing two different tales. So which names are worth the deposit? And which ones are a financial flop? Plus, the consumer in focus as staples hit five-year lows. What's weighing on the sector? And will the pain last into the holiday season? You're watching Fast Money, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. We're back right after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Welcome back to Fast Money. The financials falling to kick off the week as the 10-year Treasury yield surges back toward its highest levels in 16 years. Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, Wells Fargo, and Citi all in the, in the red today. Um, you've been watching particular Bank of America, Dan. Yeah, so here's a new, what, one-year closing low. Um, I think it was trading a little bit lower, maybe 1% or 2% or, or so back in, in, in March. And, and again, it's not an indictment of the bank. It's what investors feel like is, is lurking on their balance sheet, right? So if in uh, March this precipitous rise in rates, uh, you know, uh, run on deposits and this mark-to-market uh, issue with held to maturity securities, I mean, this was a mention in the Wall Street Journal today. It was the first time I've seen that in a while. We've been talking about it, what lies in these balance sheets, these companies are having to pay more to keep deposits there, right? And so really, if there's a run on deposits, then you have a situation like we had in March, and that would actually cause these banks to take the losses. While the mark-to-market 
Fine, you can maybe explain that away, but what did Rick Santelli just tell us about rates? And if you don't have profit centers in other parts of your businesses and you have you know, rising um, reserves for rising delinquencies, you don't have you know, a lot of investment banking activities going on, you're not writing a lot of new mortgages and stuff like that, it just seems like a really difficult environment right now for these money center banks. I think it is too, but I, I think we've, we've really left them to a place where we've priced in, I think, already a fair amount of credit concerns. Uh, I, you know, I, look, I'm long JP Morgan, I'm long Citibank, I'm long Bank of America in the Money Center Bank. I uh, was looking at the charts of Goldman Sachs. Now, we know the noise around Goldman Sachs. We talked about it on the show around the C suite, you know, what's going on. Um, it's obviously been a very difficult environment for investment banking. Uh, but I, I look at Goldman Sachs, first of all, and that chart uh, back to two years, excuse me, June 22, you've actually got a, a very small uptrend that. I think it's holding the bottom end. Let's see what it does. But the noise that's been priced into their short to medium term targets, I think, is very high. And they've indicated through some recent meetings, there was a CFO sit down with J.P. Morgan recently, that they're on track. And if they're on track, I think the stock's cheap. But the issue for Bank, for Bank of America specifically and, and how the stock has just simply lagged is the held to maturity portfolio, as you had mentioned. But that really sort of underscores the differences between Brian Moynihan's leadership versus others in the space that don't have that problem. That don't have that. You're that specifically speaking about, of Jamie Dimon, let's say. Well, I, I mean, was going to let you in the blank. <laughs> no, I think they did it. Uh, Jamie Dimon and J.P. Morgan did an outstanding job. I think it's sort of egg on the face of Bank of America that they really didn't do such a good job. It's it's less surprising than an SVB or some mm-hmm. First Republic even. That was they didn't they did a terrible job and it took them out of business. And J.P. Morgan was in a position to be the beneficiary of that. And so it's not an issue of. Uh, rising rates being a problem for them, I think the net interest margin is going to rise. I think they've just done an outstanding job. I think it's cheap. I own it. I've owned it for a long time. You'll get September Master Trust data in a couple weeks from now for September. In August, they were up, I think delinquencies up to one and a quarter percent, up from about 88 or so basis points a year ago. This is all, I mean, it doesn't sound like a big deal. It's a big deal. And the trajectory is the wrong way. So delinquencies, Dan mentioned, that's headed in the wrong direction right now. Coming up, cracks in the consumer, warning signs out of the staples sector, and the stats are pointing to some major cash sitting on the sidelines. Marianne Bartels of Sanctuary Wealth will join us to lay out her take on the consumer and what she expects going into the holiday season. That interview when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. Stocks kicking off October with a bit of a whimper. The Dow falling 74 points, the S&P flat, and the Nasdaq managing a gain, closing higher by more than half a percent. EV makers reporting Q3, Q3 production deliveries this morning. Tesla missing estimates, but still delivering more than 435,000 vehicles. The company sticking with its 2023 target of 1.8 million vehicles. And Rivian beating expectations, delivering more than 15,000 vehicles in the quarter. That's up 23% from the previous quarter. The company saying it remains on track to produce 52,000 EVs in 2023. And a check on one of the most recent entrants to the market, Instacart, down another 9% today as the stock falls further from its IPO price of 30 bucks a share. Turning now to consumer staples, is the sector sending a warning signal? One of the traders flagging uh, it's approaching five-year low against the S&P 500. Tim, it's getting interesting here. 
It is getting interesting. I think the fundamentals around a lot of these names, though, means that multiple is cheapening up and it's 20 percent cheaper. And, and a 15 percent move in, in the Staples Index or whatever you're tracking, whether it's XL, you know, XLP or whatnot, is a major, major move. Look at his General Mills down 30 percent. Some of this is the inflationary dynamics that allowed them the pricing power. Uh, I don't think they have. They're running into it. You're starting to see some of these folks, including General Mills, actually start to see both competitive Changes and landscape get more aggressive, but also they're, they're essentially their margins starting to deteriorate. So um, the downgrade has been on multiples, uh, but I think relative to the S&P, this is an environment where at some point these names should be defensive. It's not time yet, but it's getting close. At some point, like when? Like when the multiples turn, well, how many turns? I think, I think when you get down to that five-year low, I think on the charts on a relative basis, it tells you something. I also think on the multiples, when you start to be you know, 11, 12 times instead of 13, 14 times, you start to get where they're cheap relative to history. Right now, they're in line with history after re-rating above history. Yeah. Karen, do you see value here? Yes, although I think Tim's point is a really good one. Things don't stop at fair value. The pendulum right. continues to swing further. So I, I think what he's saying makes sense. Wait a little more. All right. For more on what this could mean for the markets, let's bring in Marianne Bartels of Sanctuary Wealth. She is the chief investment strategist there. Marianne, welcome back to the show. Great to see you. Thank you for having me. Um, do you, what do you think of Staples? Um, they're not trading well at all, mm -hmm. which is really interesting because normally your defensive sectors trade really well when you're getting a pullback and they're not trading well at all. Really what's trading well is the leadership. You know, it's the tech, comm services, part of the market that's holding up the best, which tells me this is just a correction. So you want to stick with that leadership. You like semis. You like the big cap tech. I do. Uh -huh. I do. And it, it, it's hard because I'm in the business for 40 years. I've studied the history of the markets. And normally when you get a very concentrated market, that's a warning sign. But if you really look at the whole structure of the S&P, it's a problem across the whole sector. The other thing is, is we don't have as many stocks that used to trade. We've lost like 2,000 stocks. And you're really starting to see private equity really play a pivotal role in actually funding companies. So the whole structure of the market has shifted since 1985 when I came, first came into the business. So, Mary, great to have you here on our new set. Yeah, yeah it's um, fabulous. So mm. let me ask you, is there what would make you change your mind about sticking with the ones that have worked, the tech and the communication services? Is it a valuation or is it some sort of structural change in the market or rates that would make you change? So I think the first sign would be technical. You probably all know that I did spend part of my career as a technician. I think the first signs would actually come in the relative performance. And what a lot of people don't realize is the S&P 500 technology sector actually hit an all-time new relative high back in July. If that leadership was to start shifting, that would be my warning sign. Everybody talks about valuation, but valuation is not a very good timing tool. In fact, when I'm looking at the overall P.E. of the market, in another life I was a quant, and I'm using some quantitative measures. We normally don't talk about them because they probably scare people. They're things like called logarithmic scales and z-scores. Guy, look at this good guy's face right now. <laughs> <laughs> He's He's yeah, yeah. And when you look at those value, that kind of matrix on a P.E., the markets are actually cheap. And that was something that was really shocking to me. So I don't think the markets are as expensive as they appear to be. And I think we could go into a super cycle for growth stocks. That's one of the things that I'm monitoring. And if we do go into a super cycle for growth stocks, you're going to see P.E. levels that will curl your toes. We're not even there yet. 
if that, that sounds happens. painful, by the way. <laughs> curl, curl. Yeah. I mean, having broken a few <laughs> myself. So, Marion, it's great to have you. So, Procter & Gamble is a big component of this, as well as Costco. Both stocks have done okay, but Coca-Cola and Pepsi, which are two of the top four, have absolutely rolled over. I think it's because margin compression. That has to be a concern that, as Tim said before, they can no longer pass on their cost to the consumer. Now, here's something else interesting. I was looking at margins just based on the S&P 500, and there's something that's called the rate of change, but then there's something that's called the rate of change or the rate of change. It's called the momentum Mm -hmm. or the second differential. Profit margins are actually starting to improve. I'm watching. We had PMI manufacturing numbers today. They look like they're actually bottoming. So I'm always looking for what are we not talking about? Well, what if we are having a reacceleration in the economy? And that would get to Rick's point that rates still have to back up. So you're calling for uh, a real pickup in the economy, a super cycle for growth stocks. Did we just have that? No. I mean, are you lonely? We haven't lonely been in the I'm very low. I'm definitely okay. very, I'm, I'm in the lonely camp. Uh, definitely in the lonely what, camp. So what, where are rates during this whole super cycle? So I, I want, I, when Rick was on earlier, he talked about rates going to 13.5%. Okay, so when you look at the cycle of interest rates, they normally go 20 to 30 years. We ended a 40-year cycle, and we are now in a total new regime for interest rates. And what we've been telling clients is that you will see rates at least at 10% in your lifetime. This is about timing. I think the 10-year gets up to about the 5% area and backs off. I think twos don't go up too much more. Um, You don't want to time it until you actually see it peak. I thought rates were peaking a couple of months ago, and I was wrong. So I agree with Rick. It's really kind of hard to time. But I do think the cycle for interest rates over the next 15, 20 years is higher. Wow. I think you're like the biggest bull out there that <laughs> we've come across. <laughs> Marianne, thank you for coming by. Great to see you. Thank you. Marianne Bartels of Sanctuary Wealth. What do you think of these predictions, Dan? Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm on the other side of it. I mean, for, for 18 months, the, the conference board of U.S. leading indicators has been going lower every month, month over month. And if you look at everything that we've just talked about here, we talk about yields that, you know, Rick just said could go double digits, not seen in my lifetime or at least in my adult lifetime. We have crude oil at 90. We have the Dixie, the U.S. dollar index at 107. Um, I just don't see any scenario where profit margins are going to start improving right now, especially when you consider the fact that I think the unemployment rate only has one place to go, and that is up right now. We're seeing consumer credit on on people's credit cards at these floating rates at levels that we have not seen in a very long time. We're seeing delinquencies tick up here. So, again, I'm not calling for some deep, deep recession, but, you know, all the stuff that we talked about, that the pain that's happening in the bond market right now is a reaction to a lot of, you know, behavior that was kicking lots of cans down the road. And I feel like sooner or later, I mean, the chickens are going to come home to roost. And and the stock market that we have right now, guys, in the banks, in the industrials, in the staples, I mean, the list, you know, in the transports, it goes on and on. It's not good. But that list has been not good for a long time. It just accelerated to the downside. I can't argue with what the... like you, was probably talking about leading indicators being awful. Um, and even though we had a good ISM manufacturing number today, it doesn't change. I think manufacturing stays in contraction. So um, I just think that the market that I have is the one that I have to trade. Um, and I think at this point, until I see that breakdown on Qs and, and semis, um, I also think 4,200 on the S&P might be a level we can get some bounce. Coming up, what went wrong at FTX? Crypto customers, investors, and insiders tell all in a new CNBC documentary premiering today. 
More on that ahead. Plus, Kellogg's snack and cereal businesses started trading as two separate companies today, and investors didn't seem to like that split. Why is Wall Street crunchy about mm. these stocks, the trades, and more when Fast Money returns? Welcome back to Fast Money. A shakeup in the grocery aisles. Kellogg's completing the spinoff of its cereal unit, now known as WK Kellogg today. The remaining snack brands is now called Kellanova. It will trade under the original ticker K. Both stocks were down today. Kellanova CEO was on CNBC this morning, was asked what the popularity of weight loss drugs will mean for his company. It is way too early and very premature to talk about. We don't know the penetration that these drugs will get. We don't know longitudinally what happens with consumer behavior. We know what people are saying they're doing in terms of, uh, you know, changing their, the, uh, their diets and so forth. But, you know, it's just way too early to tell. Kellanova, by the way, includes brands like Pringles, Cheez-Its, Pop-Tarts. So... Kellanova. Mm-hmm. Kellanova. Doesn't work. Well, I mean, not that it matters. Rolls off the tongue. Kellanova. Well, remember, listen, Tim can speak to this because he actually, I mean, Mondelez, everybody loved Mondelez back <laughs> so in the day. So they translate into yeah. Russian. Yeah, that's, I tell you what, that's <laughs> spicy. That is some spicy stuff. <laughs> it's just not working for me. Listen, I love the companies. I don't know why they trade. You know what we should have on here? Because we had them on last summer. I think Jim Osmond talks about these spinoffs and the value that's unlocked. Maybe we can get them on to sort of explain what's happening here, but clearly the market didn't like this today. With that said, Special K is my cereal of choice, and that's a Kellogg's brand. I know, with the strawberries. No, 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 I put my own strawberries in. And this is, listen, this is, nobody cares, I know, the I more know, you know. Sweet. No, 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 but the Special K with strawberries, the flakes are different. They have to They're coat sweet. them in something. They're sweet. It's no good. You want to get regular Special K, then get those, those freeze-dried but strawberries. People want snacks, they don't want cereal. Really? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what the market's generally, right? That's the general, right. like, thinking. That's old school. You want to be in right. snack foods, but you don't. Well, there's a higher multiple. There's, there's been a higher right. growth. There's been a higher multiple associated with that. It's one of the reasons why Pepsi, uh, I think, is, has even outperformed Coca-Cola. But I, I just don't think you can price up a bag of Cheetos anymore. And, and, I, and, and I think we've gotten to a place. To, I, I mean, seriously, I, I just think that's part of what we're talking about in the yeah. staple space. I think it's less about whether pe- people are going to always want a bag of Cheetos. I know I will. Coming up. The collapse of FTX, those <laughs> those hardest by the crypto exchange's bankruptcy are telling their side of the story in a new CNBC digital documentary. We'll bring you the preview next. Fast Money's back in two. <laughs> you don't know. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim, do you know your yeah, final absolutely. trade? Absolutely. Constellation brands. Look, we talked about staples. There's one that has some pricing power. We've seen consolidation in beer, STZ. I think you stay there. Karen? Yes, the one I've been waiting to buy. I think it's finally time, Nike. Dan? Yeah, if Rick Santelli's right and the 10-year goes back to four and a quarter or so, that TLT's a buy. Huge guest night tonight we had. Unbelievable. JP Morgan focus list, Melms. All right. Thank you for watching Fast Money. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Mad Money with Jim Cramer starts right now. 
All opinions expressed by the Fast Money participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information the Fast Money participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Fast Money Disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Fast Money Disclaimer. Hi, I'm Cindy Lauper. My scalp was covered with psoriasis. Felt like I was trapped between a rock and a hard place. Then I started Cosentix. Cosentix Secukinumab is prescribed for adults with moderate to severe black psoriasis, 300 milligram dose. Don't use if you're allergic to Cosentix. Before starting, get checked for TB. Serious allergic reactions, severe skin reactions that look like eczema, and an increased risk of infections, some fatal, have occurred. Cosentix may lower ability to fight infections, so tell your doctor if you have an infection or symptoms like fevers, sweats, chills, muscle aches, or cough, had a vaccine or plan to, or if IBD symptoms develop or worsen. Learn more at Cosentix.com or 1-844-COSENTIX. Cosentix works for me. Ask your doctor about Cosentix.